0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. on Michael Fragan live from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Part of the Thursday night extravaganza on JM the jmintheam.org. So tonight we're going to try a couple different things. We are going to do some headlines. We're going to do a little thing I'm going to call Politics 101, where we explain... A political topic for guys like uh, ZK and other people out there who are clamoring for a little more background information that we shouldn't have so much inside baseball. And then we're going to go to a couple topics. We're going to have some great guests on. We're going to talk about Republican Jewish outreach later in the show. We're also going to talk about redistricting. So we're going to segue Politics 101 into a redistricting discussion. But first, first the headlines, and for those that were listening to Nachum Siegel before, he talked about the fact that he's having Senator Chuck Schumer in on his show tomorrow morning, seven twenty a.m. And Senator Schumer, probably, although you know, I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that Nachum Siegel is going to be asking him why did he decide to support Chuck Hagel for Secretary of Defense to lead the Pentagon. And that's certainly one of the headlines of this week. It looks, as I may have mentioned last week and the week before, that Chuck Hagel, former senator from Nebraska, Republican, not necessarily beloved by his Republican colleagues, but seems to be beloved by this president and vice president, will probably be assuming control of the Pentagon in the not-too-distant future. And folks, I have to say... As I said last week, and I've gotten a little flack for it, I'm not sure this was a fight that we needed to pick. That this kind of became a pro-Israel issue, pro-Israel litmus test. You're for Hegel, against Hegel. The president really should have a certain amount of prerogative, a certain amount of leeway to choose his team and everybody. He wasn't so beyond the pale. Yeah, he has some inopportune comments, impolitic in comments, inappropriate comments, I would say. Maybe he doesn't have the same feeling towards the Holy Land that many of us do. But, generally, on a general basis, aside from the about-face in the midst of the Iraq War, where he felt, uh, I think as he said, that he was deceived in voting for it originally, he was a pretty hawkish guy. So, For what this president wants to do and what needs to do with the Pentagon, which is probably a lot of restructuring, and needs a guy who's willing to buck the politics and really kind of not just trim some of the fat, but actually go after a lot of the structural issues and the structural costs out there, Chuck Hagel probably fits the bill. He's not beholden to any of the Democratic interest groups, and he's not beholden to any of the Republican interest groups. So he's kind of that maverick guy out there, kind of like John McCain was or... Sarah Palin claimed to be. So perhaps that's why they're going that way. And I don't know that I see that as being a huge, huge loss for our community. Certainly not to the point where I saw that yeshivas were sending out letters telling people, call Chuck Schumer. We got to stop Chuck Hagel. So I don't know. The Chucks uh, seem to have been very happy together the other day. So uh, that was nice. Also this week, let's not forget Israel will hold elections on the twenty second. Very faithful. And every day things seem to change. Last week we saw it looked like the right was gonna be incredibly ascendant today. It looks like there might be it might be a close call, potentially sixty three, fifty seven for right and left. The other day it was about sixty seven, fifty three. 53 Yuhu Yehudi is a big wild card. Naftali Bennett's party as we discussed last week. So let's see. So we'll have to analyze that come next week. And also My friends, we are going to have an inauguration. Yes, we inaugurate the president, even though he's already president. And we're actually not going to do it on January 20th, because that's a Sunday. We are going to do it on January 21st, which is MLK Day. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That's on Monday. That actually is a federal holiday, state holiday, local holiday. So don't go to the DMV thinking you are going to get those tickets resolved. It's not going to happen on Monday. So, at the same time, right now, the House GOP, the House Republicans are caucusing. They are conferencing, I should say, in Williamsburg, Virginia. They are trying to right the ship. They are trying to come up with the plans, try and figure out how they are going to continue on and fight what has been a somewhat losing and dispiriting battle. And I think that we'll have to see whether they will be able to come up with a plan rather than just say no, which seems to be the strategy that they've been pursuing. It's kind of the just say no to everything the president comes up with, just say no to raising the debt ceiling, just say no to any type of fiscal deal. And I will tell you, someone needs to step up here and someone needs to step up within the Republican conference. And kind of say, guys, you know what? We're right. I mean, the bottom line is the country can't spend itself forever. They can't just continue. $16 trillion and counting to continue to spend over more and more and more. And go beyond and beyond and beyond our means. And saddle future generations. Saddle them with an enormous, incredible amount of debt. But that seems to be the way that uh washington is let's never have a reckoning let's never deal with it and a lot of congressmen and the republicans are saying enough we're not going to vote for it anymore and the truth is they're right but again it's all in the packaging e- sometimes even when you're right in politics you could be wrong so with all that with all that that has been talked about we are going to just talk as i said about little politics one oh one. I talked about the fact that this is redistricting, okay? We are going to have the drawing of the lines for city council districts. We're going to have the drawing of the line for legislative districts throughout the state. You might think that 2013 is a boring year politically. It's not a presidential year. It's not a congressional year. It's not a state governor year, but it is a local year. And as the great Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House once said, all politics is local. And that's going to be our theme right now. So on the line, we have Kalman Yeager, a consultant to both Democrats and Republicans, as he is fond of saying, citywide, local experience, but a guy who kind of knows, and he's been on the show before. I think he was on our inaugural show way back when. So Colin, you are the first two-time guest to have uh, on the phone. So welcome.
1: Great to have that on, and thanks a lot, Michael.
0: Okay, so welcome to Spin Class. I thought we'd do a little... Uh, before we get into the punditry let's just talk about redistricting and what does that mean you know what does that mean to to redraw the lines
1: well uh, we just did that last year on 2012 for the congressional and for the assembly and senate lines Uh, what we do in New York City is uh, the year after that we redraw the lines for our 51 council districts and uh, the same general theme goes into play we're trying to keep communities uh... looking alike we're trying to keep the districts uh, somewhat uh... similar within the realm of possibility to what they look like right now um... but changes do have to be made sometimes to account for population shifts and uh... uh... changing uh... demographics of communities and things of that nature
0: so people are out there and they're saying okay how does this affect me right what, why do i care what, where they draw me where they put me i mean either way i'm gonna go out and vote right it, it yeah, I'm gonna vote. Okay, so I vote in a different. I might vote in the same place. So I don't know if I've been moved. Does it matter?
1: Well, it does matter. I mean, it matters if if you go to sleep one night with one person as your council member and you wake up the next morning uh, as as a tail end to a district that is completely different from the from the one you went to sleep the night before in. And it can matter. Uh, it doesn't often matter because most people will wind up being in the same district, but people will find themselves in different districts uh, without having moved at all.
0: So we're so everybody gets redistricted, Every right? Every single person. Every single person. I mean, potentially you might end up, as you said, with the same person, but ultimately the district is a little bit different. Yes. And I think that as we as people may have found out, they may have had a new congressman last.
1: Uh, most people in, in Brooklyn and Queens uh, probably wound up, uh, certainly in our community, with a new congressman. Um, uh, for some people, it's actually their third congressman in two years, uh, certainly in Brooklyn and Queens. But uh, they they also probably found themselves with new state senators in some cases, uh, new assembly members, not often. But uh, they a lot of people will find themselves with new council members on January 1st, 2014.
0: So why is this process controversial? If it were, I mean, where 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 does why can't everything just be easy, right? Other other states, other states kind of do it with a commission. They kind of uh, it's it's easy. They got a judge to draw it.
1: We actually in New York City do do it, with right? So I was just going to
0: say, don't we don't we take it out of po- out of political hands in?
1: And as I don't have to tell you, Michael, everything that is an independent commission is as independent as it isn't. Uh, you know, it is an independent commission. The members are are ostensibly supposed to be independent of politics, but they are appointed by people who themselves are politicians. The so Speaker of the Council, the Minority Leader of the Council, and the Mayor appoint this commission uh and that commission does pay attention to what elected officials have said uh one uh interesting uh development that came up over the last couple of months or was a a question of whether or not a particular district in the northern part of Brooklyn in Williamsburg was changed a little bit to allow one assemblyman Vito Lopez to run in a different district
0: I've heard that name before
1: And uh you know Vito, Vito- Lopez is somebody who's very well known for uh being the former county leader, he had to step aside because of uh, uh, some things he was accused of, and those things haven't yet been resolved, but um, you know, the argument that the district was drawn just to benefit him, uh, I don't think anybody's ever been actually able to prove that. Um, but the council speaker got a lot of pressure uh, because it looked like he was getting a district that he can run in, so she sent the maps back to the drawing board, as, as the saying goes. Uh, that has reopened the process. Uh, it's probably more controversial, this redistricting, than it was 10 years ago and than it was 20 years ago. Um, but it, it has reopened the process, and people are going back to the redistricting commission to the Districting commission, to testify about the lines and to try to get them to change things. But that, as I said, uh, we're going to find some communities are going to be vastly different uh, in, in the way they're laid out.
2: Okay,
0: so I, it happens, and it's not so great theater, truthfully. It was kind of boring, but a couple people directed me to go look at some of these, uh, testimony before the hearings and, uh, quite a few people show up and they yell and they scream. Some people say yes. Some people say no, but the interesting thing now seems to be how the, how communities feel pit, pitted or pitted, pit one, one against the other, right? Different ethnicities. They seem that they want to, that they're fighting.
1: Well, uh, as, as we say, in New York, uh, it's a city of a melting pot. Um, and we have many, many different communities that each want to get their bite of the apple, so to speak. Um, right now, what we seem to be having in Midwood is a district that that was drawn in a way that uh, enlarges the Russian population in the district and reduces the Orthodox population in the district. Now, this was done um, for in many re- many reasons because a neighboring district, which is uh, where, where the incumbent is black has not enough black people in the district to make up a district that's large enough and therefore that district had to expand in order to get more people. The only place it can expand is to the next door districts. And so that district, uh which is, is the forty fifth district currently represented by Councilman Jamani Williams, grabbed in a whole bunch of blocks in the Orthodox community of Midwood, uh, predominantly in the twenties, uh, from from the railroad cut up to around Avenue M and uh that the draft maps currently have those people in this district which is a predominantly majority black district. So um, that resulted in a reduction in the number of well, well, who well, are in the what's currently the Michael Nelson district and that means that there are now
0: more Russians than orthodox Jews in So Calvin, Calvin tell me for a second, why is it only important to have the right amount of blacks or African Americans in a district but not to have the right amount of Jews in the district.
1: Uh, it's a famous question. Why, why are they protected and not us? And the, the reality is that they that the black community um, and generally minority communities are protected by the Federal Voting Rights Act and um, the Voting Rights Act requires that when when commissions and and legislatures redraw their lines they have to take into account the representation in those bodies of minority legislators, and they can't go about drawing lines that the result would be
0: reduced
1: of, for example, black and Latino um, elected officials in that body. So, for example,
0: so so the Jews aren't protected.
1: The Jews are not protected. No, uh, uh, it's not. It's not to say that we're being discriminated against. It's just to say that the Voting Rights Act was not designed to protect descendants of uh, Europeans. It was designed to protect people who were traditionally discriminated against in the United States, and predominantly that means minority communities.
0: So, Kalman, I want to bring in another voice here. We have Yeruchim Silber, who is a longtime community activist and a... My old friend. our, Our old friend, I should say. We're all friends here. So,
3: you
0: are ab- absolutely, Yerucham is the executive director of the Borough Park Jewish Community Council. Been involved in just about every race that I can think of that had to do with Brooklyn, and uh, I want Yerucham. I want to get your perspective. There, there's two schools of thought on the redistricting with regard to the Jews, I guess. Specifically, because that's really yeah, what we talk about you know, here. If
3: I, if I if I can, I want to go back just uh, for a minute or so. No, so.
0: no, I got to ask my question first. Then you can go I, back. Okay, is okay. that it, is that the two the two schools of thought are spread out the Jews? They'll have a lot of represent, representation because every place they are, somebody will represent them, or concentrate them that they can elect their own people. So now you can go back.
3: Yeah, I, I think there's a middle ground, but I'm going to I'm going to answer your question in a moment. I just want to say uh, redistricting, in a lot of ways, a gerrymandered redistricting, ha, has especially the way it's now has been brought about almost the destruction of democracy. Because when districts, and uh, I'm talking more on the national and state level, when they're, when they're, when districts are gerrymandered in such a partisan way, it gives very little incentive to any member of Congress, a member of the senator assembly, to really do any kind of compromise because. And therefore, they take extreme positions, and it makes me very difficult to get things done. I mean, in all, in all branches of government. So yeah, but we're only
0: talking about uh, city council redistricting, and in Brooklyn specifically. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're there all is Democrats. The middle ground.
3: There is a middle ground because yes, you don't want to pack the Jews into someone use the term ghetto district or super Jewish district. No, because what ha- what can happen then is that that person could become marginalized in, in the body in the city council. The other hand, you don't want the Jews spread out too, too too much either, because if you have four districts, five districts with the Jew, the Orthodox Jews are ten or fifteen percent, they become marginalized, and they're irrelevant. What you want to have is districts where the uh, our population, the Jewish population, constitutes thirty, forty percent, a sizable block. If the Orthodox Jews uh, uh, are thirty, forty percent of a district. The member has to pay attention to those Jews. Whether it's a Jewish member or not doesn't make a difference. He's got to pay attention to 30, 40% of his district. So I think the, the best balance is to have a number of districts, and each one has a, a substantial number of Jews. But in the logic case of. So not,
0: not a ghetto district, but a substantial no, district. Not a ghetto
3: district. Um, there are 500,000, approximately, give or take, in, in South Brooklyn of Orthodox Jews in, the, in a contiguous area. I'm talking about Borough Park, Midwood Marine Park, and so on and so on, there. and the Sheeps Bay, the greater area. There's really only one district that's a majority um, council, which is the 44th, represented by Councilman David Greenfield. Uh, You know, our community should have a voice, and I believe there should be at least uh, one other seat that could be winnable, uh, uh, that could represent and can be represented by a Jew from our community, by a person from our community, which was part of what the recent fight over the 48th was about. The 48th traditionally has been a community with a large number of of Orthodox Jews. The community has grown exponentially over over the years. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but it certainly has seen a lot of growth over the last uh, 10 years since the last census. And we should be represented in a second district.
0: So having a district where a Russian could get elected probably would be a Russian Jew. That's not good enough.
3: Again, it's not that much the person it's, it, it it's two things. On the one hand, there is enough. There's got to be enough Orthodox Jews in the district to have that influence. But yes, you want to have an Orthodox Jew representing the district, and there should Shib- and the Shib- there's room for both. In my eyes, there's room for both. And if you look at the South Brooklyn demographics, and common knows as good as anybody because he's worked those races for the last year, a bunch of those races, there's probably enough room for two districts of Orthodox Jews and one Russian district.
0: So, well, every, yeah. so potentially everybody could be happy. Common, what do you say?
1: Uh, that, would, that would be wonderful if, if we can create uh, Brooklyn with just Orthodox Jews in it, and then we could make our own districts of just Orthodox Jews. Um, the, what uh, you, sound, you sound skeptical. Uh, is fundamentally illegal under federal law, without question. If you were to draw a map of just Orthodox Jews with the required number of residents uh, in it for city council districts, you would necessarily, in Brooklyn, have to reduce the number of minority districts to do that those maps would be thrown out it's not it's just not it's not my opinion it's straight up fact so and and we we did damage to our community um, in in the last couple of months by actually promulgating this notion this is not yruhamzay you know uh, fault cuz he's not the one who invented it but there are people in our community who invented this notion of let's go try to get three orthodox jewish districts and what we ended up getting is none, except the one in Borough Park.
3: Well, I, by common, I think three was excessive. and I, Right, I three was excessive. Know, oh, and we should have, we should have uh, aimed hold, for the hold, two that we had. Hold on,
0: gentlemen. Let's the, let him finish. I think what,
3: what, what caused some of the problem was their proposal of three, which really kind of split our community. I think two is doable, along with the district, um, for example, the 47th district, which is represented now by uh, Dominic who who's term limited, could easily be a russian seat uh, um if it's done the right way uh, without hurting the 48th or the 44th
1: right the problem again the problem with the with the rekia seat and and you know without having a map in front of all three and so i can actually point to it the problem is that this is not about the rekia seat this is not about the nelson seat this is about the jamani williams seat which is in the black community that didn't have enough blacks to fill it and the only way that it can actually have enough population to be a to be a legal district under the charter is if it got more people and the only place where it can get more people who aren't already in a black district is by grabbing them out of a white district they couldn't grab the russians because the russians are in the 47th which is all the way in the bensonhurst coney island area so they had to grab the closest white people to the black district and that sadly for parts of our community was our community
0: so, common. what's the threshold? It has to be 51%, 40%? Uh, no, it 40? has to, it,
1: it's, I don't remember what the, if there's an actual percentage number, but for a district like Jemani's, which is, I believe right now, upwards of 70 or 80% black, uh, for it to go down to, you know, 50% by, or, 40, or 60% by having, you know, 40% of it being uh, orthodox would never fly. Um, But regardless, the issue is not whether or not it has enough black population. The issue is actually whether or not it has enough human population. The Jumaane Williams district, if it didn't grab in new blocks of the Nelson district, wouldn't have had enough human beings in it to constitute a district.
0: Wait, when you say by human beings, you mean people? Is that what we usually say? Actual people, Actual people. Okay.
1: have a certain number of people in it, and districts. in order for that district to have that number of people, it had to grab new people. Simply because the population of the city changed, it grew, and the districts get split up in such a way that each district has to be approximately equal, give or take 5%, right. and the Jamani district was superbly under 5%. So it had to get so, new people in it. And so that's practically, a real fortunate reality.
0: So so practically, gentlemen, what what do you and let's oh, let
1: just one more thing. Let's, but, go, what know, it, let's go. What let's go. our community. Let, this this is not something that happens in the last twenty years. This has been happening in the last hundred years. Well, Wherever our community has gone in New York City, we our next door neighbors have always been a minority community. Always. Whether it was East Flappish or the Bronx or anywhere else, we have always had our next-door neighbors being a minority community. So this is not new that we're living right next door to a minority community and we're subject to getting, redist- getting districted
0: into it at some point. Well, great segue for what I wanted to ask you because there's a special election going on in a predominantly black district in Far Rockaway, Queens. Actually, Southeast Queens, not just Far Rockaway. Laurelton, Rosedale and other suburbs of Laurelton and Rosedale. And uh, it looks like there is a possibility, with nine candidates now registered for the race, that uh, an Orthodox Jew could win in a predominantly black district.
1: Right. And, and so, uh, uh,
0: what what, the, what do we make of that?
1: Well, I'm supposed to be selection. fantastic. Okay. First of all, okay. um, the Orthodox Jew that's running is not just an Orthodox Jew, but he's he's a superb public servant. I mean, this is somebody oh. we all know. Okay. Ah, that's, Hoshino.
0: Hoshino. Let's. Yes, the
1: is guy who's role. worked. Guys, one at a time. Uh, ca-
0: uh, Kalman. Uh. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I think that it's great uh, if he wins and he will serve the entire community. I think it's a kid of Shashem. There's no question about it. Um, obviously, the black community will be upset that they're losing, quote, a black representative, but this is, this is what happens in split fields.
3: Yerachem? Yeah, I'm going to go back to just a, a quick. Uh, we, ha- we had a similar thing, uh, it was 2006, when Yvette Clark ran for Congress, and that time, David Yasky, at that time, Councilman David Yasky. Was a candidate, It was I think it was a four person race, right, if I remember correctly. Yes. It was a big uproar from the black community. Why is, why is uh, David Yasky running? David Yasky he had every right to run, even though it was a majority district. you had the same strategy with three uh, African or Caribbean and black Americans running in that district. And, and David Yasky uh, was certainly able to win. I think what's got to happen, Paisa Lucina, and spe- that was not a special, that was different. This is a special. Have their own are very different and we 've all worked in special elections I don't it 's totally on turnout uh, who turns the people out in special elections that would really counts whoever we'll gets the people out and pulls the people out to the polls but I think what 's going to happen at, and peso you veino know, certainly um, has a chance to win if there are uh, actually nine other minority candidates if it's yeah, i 'm sure they they show that get the people out to the polls and the Veracruz community is, is is works together works well and you know her last time was post to hurricane I think a lot of the um uh, Eric Olgras were hurt by not getting people out, but that was a special circumstance but what 's going to happen is Pesach wins; he'll have a very hard time winning again um i guess in in, in, in September November when the actual when the actual uh, uh election is because I that there will be eight candidates then at that time, in all likelihood uh the black community will probably unite behind a single candidate so if he wins, which it will be great again if he did i would see yeah, i would have a hard time. Seeing him getting actually reelected to a full term of his own.
0: So you're not a big believer in the fact that he that a white candidate or a white Jewish Orthodox candidate can win in a predominantly minority district.
3: Again, only in a special election with a large number of minority candidates. Like I said, the David Yaskin tried it, and who was a well who was a city council well-known person. Sure. And was not able to do it.
0: Well, that's. I think in that race you had a surprisingly strong showing from. Uh, a very, very strong showing from one of the African-American candidates, Yvette Clark, who, who ended up winning, and you had uh, weaker showings from the two other African-American Paul candidates and, uh,
3: and, and, who and, uh, were
0: expected um, to do far better.
3: Yeah.
0: And, but, but in this case, so let, let's just look at that, and that race. I'll throw some statistics out for you guys, is that there are 77,000 voters in that district um, as of uh, recent counting. 77,000 voters. What do you think the turnout is actually going to be?
3: 10,000. 10,000, 10, wow. Okay. much? Yeah, not, I, I would
1: say that your actually being uh, pretty generous. I'm not even sure it would go that high. Um, it's it's you know a special election in the middle of the winter in a neighborhood where a lot of people don't live anymore. Uh, not, you know, not the majority moved out, but a good chunk of people are actually displaced from their homes. Um, they have other things on their minds whether or not they're going to come out for a special election where there's only one thing on the ballot? Probably not, Um, but that goes to show that Pesach even has a better chance. Um, The community, which lives very, very close in one particular area of the district, if they actually unite and show up in their numbers, they can elect somebody.
3: I think with a nine-person raise 2,000 votes wouldn't be for him. Probably.
0: Okay, so the question is, will he be able to get those 2,000 I guess we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um,
1: neither, neither Yeruchim or I are running his race, so we don't know. But uh, well, it, I, I, and we know Pesach well enough to know he's going to work real hard. So. It's always
0: hard for me to know where your you know where your tentacles are. So,
3: but, uh, I, I G- gentlemen, we're, we're headed, headed into a, a... Of coming together. Where, you know, and... go ahead, Yeruchim. Well, I think the Farakly community has has a good record. We saw it when um, for Goldfeld around the community really came out. You know, I was Ripley I helped that a little bit. I race. Um, and uh, it was a real out, strong outpouring, and a lot of pride also. And, and rightly rightfully so, Phil was one of their own. I think the frackle community had a great showing. I think it really helped put him over the top against a, um, a serious opponent that he had. I, but it's very
1: very important to remember, you're welcome, that the Phil Goldfeder race was, although a special election, it w- it took place during regular elections. It was partisan in the sense that, you know, Phil had the Democratic line that was a Republican. Phil was getting a lot of votes from people who were not Orthodox Jews because he was regist- he was a Democratic candidate. Yep. And there was during a primary when there were enormous number of Democrats coming out anyway, uh, because Same. it was regular primary day in yeah, September.
3: I agree, but I'm talking about the narrow part of the Faragway community coming together, the Orthodox community of coming together, they really had a nice turnout for Phil. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was a very really good it was a good turnout then.
0: It was definitely yeah, a decent uh, turnout. Cool. I'll give you some some h- historicals uh, of different special elections, and it's pretty incredible. You have a a low of four percent for the seventeenth council special election in two thousand five. Okay, that's that's a low, pretty low turnout. Then a six and a half percent for in 2000, uh, 2007 for the fifty first council district. And then in the neighboring 32nd council district in 2009, where Eric Ulrich won, a Republican, uh, would, uh, was, was, uh, 10, was 10%. And then the record turnout of special elections in, this, in these districts was, back in 2010, the 44th council district. I don't know if any, any of you guys recall that, that race at uh, all. not much, not
3: that much. That was
0: 18.2%.
3: I think 12,000 12, votes, that one common came out altogether
1: um yeah a little around like the round 13 I think, 13, I think 4, or something like that correct.
0: so that that those are so, those are some shockingly I want to forget, want to forget that
3: race right sometime
0: okay but that's it but those are some shockingly low numbers as far as turnout is concerned that's 18% that's the high number of registered voters so y- y- i think does that Which, tell uh, us Michael, the,
1: these special elections the, 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 for, the reason for the very low turnout uh, as it tends to be they're, they're the only thing on the ballot and they almost always happen in wintertime um, because of when people actually leave office, they usually vacate their seats around December time, and these special elections are held within two months later. So yeah, it's a weird time of bottom year bottom for bottom people, people to be Guys, one at a time, one, one at a time. One particular thing that they have to be really familiar with. Borough Park was tremendous. Um, obviously, it was a very hard-fought race. By the way, you I would like, not like to forget that race anytime soon, mm-hmm. um, but I guess we come from different perspectives on that. Uh, the, 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 the large turnout in Borough Park... We're all being maybe out of the realm. I mean, what is the general turnout, Michael? And you would probably, I don't know if you have this on your fingertips, but what's the general turnout in a regular election in New York City? It's Not 100%. Well, you mean,
0: you mean for a general or for the, the, where it's really decided usually in the Democratic primary? Uh, well, okay, fair enough. Either one. It's, about, it's, it's occasionally about 12 13%. Okay. So it's, uh, it's pretty low. And that's actually how we're going to pick uh, several of our citywide elected officials coming up in 2013. So, well, gentlemen, I want to thank you. This is a spirited and very interesting and informative discussion, and uh, we hope to have both of you on in the very near future. Thank you, Yeruchim Silber, Executive Director of the Burrow Park Jewish Community Council, Kalman Yeager, strategist to both Democratic and Republican candidates, and a very educational and informative discussion on redistricting and its impacts Thank you very much. This is Spin Class with Michael Fragan. We're talking politics. And our next segment, I'm happy to have in the studio a Republican spokesman, pundit and tw- and Twitter tweeter extraordinaire, uh, Jacob Kornblue, who is a keen observer of the political scene. On the phone we have Avi Fertig, who is a uh, activist in the five towns, works for a number of Republican candidates and help them get elected and is uh, definitely has a uh, hand in the surge of Republican uh, support, support for Republican candidates in the Five Towns area, which is now becoming a very a big stronghold of the red, uh, uh, almost a red state, if you will. And Yossi Gestetner, a PR representative, to uh, PR guru for corporations, nonprofits, and the like, who is a who writes a very informative blog. Gestetner updates. Everybody should read it and is always up on what is going on and has been a important voice with regard to Republican Jewish outreach. Welcome to SPIN class, everyone. Hey, how are you? Great to be here. Okay, great. So, gentlemen, I want. we just had a discussion with regard to city council districts, and one thing I was thinking is we're looking at 2013. We're, we're kind of past some of the elections we we started off 2012 in brooklyn which is of course the center of the orthodox jewish universe to a large degree we started off with a republican congressman in bob turner we started off with a republicans or we had we gained a republican state senator in david Strobin, and now yet again uh we have as, as the republicans have uh, suffered a setback by losing both of those uh jacob uh, your thoughts
2: First of all, we have a Republican state senator.
0: we have Marty golden that we do, but uh i i I am saying we di- we don't have either of those so was the was the Republican surge a a blip i
2: I would say first of all, special elections um bide very good with Republicans since there's a low turnout. Those who are motivated to send a message or to uh, defeat an incumbent or a newbie to the race. They tend to go out to vote, so a Republican has better chances in a special election. However, I would admit that the Brooklyn Republicans received a shellacking in this uh, 2012 November elections. I would remind uh, the listeners that Mitt Romney, that had a good campaign, a well-funded campaign, also lost the race. So the Republicans dealt a real blow. Good
0: campaign, is, uh, I think, was debated by a lot of people, so
2: in my
0: view. In your view. Okay, Yassi Gestetner. Yassi, welcome. Um,
4: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll address this in a minute, but uh, I was listening to the conversation about the people in in New York City fighting like cats and dogs about redistricting. I come to think of it, in, in national politics, the narrative is that the Democratic Party has a big tent. Blacks, Hispanics, Jews, everybody has a place there. Do they? Do you see how these people fight like cats and dogs? It is beyond me, and it's perhaps a, it's a sh- it's shameful that people living side by side and officially in a party that is welcome for minorities, and all the minorities do are fighting each other like cats and dogs. You're going to have a Jewish candidate, a black candidate. Let me tell you something. The, the, the reason why um, I disapprove of President Obama, of President Obama's trillion-dollar deficit, the 7.8 unemployment rate, and disastrous foreign policy is not because he's black or white or comes from experience. It's his policies suck. So I really don't understand why you guys in the city, and I've worked in city campaigns a little, not a lot, who cares if this guy is Jewish? Is he effective or not? And and it, I really don't know why you guys are wasting your time and money about this. It's going to be this guy, that guy. It is beyond me, and it's shameful coming from the Democratic Party. And as for the Republicans, David Stroben had a chance of being in the office, if only these scholars wanted so. I remember back in April, city and state reported that Central Felder is going to caucus with the Democrats. Two days later, we broke the story uh, that, no, Central Felder is indeed uh, will caucus with the Republicans, and these scholars is basically going to clear the way. And I wrote on my blog, it's that an update, thanks for mentioning it. I wrote in the article that look out for the financing of the state Senate committee. See uh, where the money is going or not going. And throughout the campaign, I've been tweeting and yelling at the top of my lungs. Dean colors intentionally left um, David Strubin out to dry because he wanted to make sure that Simcha has an easier field. So the Republicans.
0: Well, I guess he was right in the end that Simcha Felder did go ahead and caucus with the with the Republicans. Yeah, yeah, so.
4: yeah. That's what I'm saying. He, but, okay, so so he so so he it, was it was a no lose. It was a no lose situation. Wrong, wrong seat. Technically, what I'm saying is technically they didn't lose the seat. They just decided
0: to replace David sorogan with. Ah. Okay, so I this is, so the answer for you is that they replaced a Republican with a Republican. So Avi, okay. I, Avi, I want to turn to you for a second. I yep. I, I will yeah. gonna throw out some numbers here because I think that they're they're quite astounding. in the in, in you know there was an article in the New York Times talked about the the small the areas of New York City that voted for Romney. But uh, one thing that was particularly striking to me when I looked at some of the numbers in our area where yeah. I live and you live in the five towns in Lawrence, 85 percent for Romney in Cedarhurst, 66 percent for Romney. OK, Woodmere, 77 uh, percent for Romney. Okay. So uh, you're obviously doing something right. The, the Republicans are doing a good job of, of outreach in the in the community, in the five towns. Is that a suburban thing or it's just orthodox news in general?
5: Well, I, I think that the push for Romney was more of a Jewish thing, or not even a Jewish thing. I think it was almost like a an intuitively Republican impulse, as opposed to uh, some, as opposed to very good outreach. Uh, I think that when you take a look at some of the other candidates that have been making it to office over the last number of years, those being Republican candidates in what's been traditionally an exceptionally Democratic area, the five towns, for many, many years, and even now, registration-wise, most, mostly in the Democratic area. But if you take a look at the more, um, I guess, the more local races, and you see that there are more and more Republican candidates in there. You, you start to get a sense that there is an interest and an effort on the part of the Republican Party to do this kind of outreach in these areas. And I think that the benefits are, are fairly, uh, you know, they're plain to see when you, when you see who's in office.
0: So let let's throw that out there because the question I guess from that would be: Is the party do does the party do a good job of outreach? Do they know how to do a good job of outreach, and uh, or are, is it just happening by default? I, I think what Avi's saying is kind of happening by default. People are just you know they, they identify more with the Republicans, but it's got nothing to do with the fact that they're the party's reaching out to them. So Yussi, uh, you want to take that one? Uh,
4: yeah, um, I, I actually agree with Avi one hundred percent. Uh, The Republican Party, uh, in general, uh, does not have an outreach program for the Jewish community, certainly not an effective outreach program. And uh, the Orthodox community, uh, who most most Orthodox Jews these days grew up in households where the parents were happy liberals, hey, the Democratic Party is here to save us. But as time went along, we noticed that our parents are bankrupt. They're going into senior ages, they didn't, have, they, didn't have they didn't have a dollar to their name, and the Democratic program, certainly when it comes to foreign policy and moral issues, you forget it. The Democratic program doesn't work, so we moved slowly and slowly more to the Republican Party. And, you know, it's quite sad um, that the Republican-Jewish coalition, they're working overtime, they worked overtime in 2012 uh, to get Jews to vote for Mitt Romney, And I think 90% of their message was Israel, Israel, Israel. When, as a matter of fact, all polls from Jewish voters say time and again, and a poll today reinforces it, that the economy, domestic issue, issues is most important to Jews in the United States. Uh, The Orthodox Jews they vote for for Republicans more and more, but the majority of Jews in the United States are not Orthodox, and they mostly care about economic and domestic issues, and the Republican Jewish coalition which is an independent committee, and not officially in the Republican Party, they, they've done little to nothing to point out how the Republican Party is helpful for your average Jewish person that can help and take care of your economic needs. And I remember a week before the election, I had an op-ed in the forward. It was certainly online, I'm not even sure if they printed it, but online they certainly posted it. An article where I, a 700-word article, I made, I think, a compelling argument that I'm not saying that the issue of Israel needs to be uh, ignored, but the but the Republican outreach effort to the Jewish community needs to be about economics and needs to be about domestic issues because this is what is most important. This is the priority issue to most Jews most of the time. But, well,
5: that, yeah, but by the way, what you're saying about the uh, about the messaging, um, it actually really ties in very well with what I was saying a moment ago. There is an intuitive instinct or impulse among uh certainly Orthodox Jewish uh Jewish voters to go for the conservative, more uh, Republican candidates, certainly right now. But when you're talking about on the local, on the lowest possible political um, area, uh, you're talking about in that, in that in national county, you're talking about your legislators in town of hemstead, you're talking about your your council people, and then of course there's a supervisor and then there's the uh, the uh, the um, county executives these these uh candidates, they're reaching out to their Jewish constituents with the financial. Oh okay, message.
4: okay, but okay, so this happens but this happens on both sides. It's not it's not necessarily a republican effort. It's a it's a simple realization that if you're not gonna reach out to the Jewish vote you're gonna lose. And you wanna hear something funny? In Rockland County a year ago we had the district attorney in two thousand seven here and the first time, he had an official opposition. He uh he uh defeated the incumbent the Republican by two thousand votes. Basically the Jewish community has the sway in the county here. Um the the Orthodox community because mostly they vote in a unified voice. Uh but four years later, a year ago, he ran on all five parties. Republican, Democrat, independent, conservative, and n- nobody did, nobody even bothered Ron No here. nobody ran
0: against him. Oh, okay. Yeah,
4: so what I'm saying is that many of these I local candidates are all, all uh, um
5: having to flood all of the Whatever you know, getting all the petitions for all those lines. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it's
0: uh, it's a terrible problem for a politician to have. So, Jacob, you wanted to say something?
2: I I would beg um, to differ with my colleagues. Although I would love that the Republican Party would invest in the Jewish community, I would say two things. First of all, President Obama didn't win re-election because he had a good PR firm. He won elections because the grassroots brought out the vote. And in the Orthodox community, you see eighty-six percent. I think from the Orthodox community in a pu- in a poll published today, vote, sorry, voted for Mitt Romney. So the re- the Orthodox Jews vote Republican Six, on a 68%, national level. Sixty-eight
0: percent, I think it was sixty-eight. No, sixty-eight. Sixty-eight for for Obama, thirty-two percent for. I'm Romney.
2: talking about Orthodox Jews. Oh, Orthodox. So sorry. So Orthodox Jews vote on a national level, Republican. On the other hand. On the local level, they don't register as Republicans. They don't attend events that the Republican Party um, initiates, if it's uh, conventions, if it's, uh, um, for instance, uh CPAC convention or anything. You don't see the presence of Orthodox Jews joining the party, so the the party to outreach to a voting bloc that identifies as fiscal conservative, if you would say, as socially conservative leaned, you don't need to outreach to get the votes. If you won't get the votes, there's no primaries in the Republican Party. And on the local level, there's three Republicans in the entire New York City elected, and that's one state senator, one assemblywoman, and one congressman. So there's not much to invest if the Orthodox Jewish community won't join the Republican Party and do what Moshe Feiglin and um, others did in the Likud Party—is join the party and have influence from within. Side.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you something.
5: The mindset in uh, in the, on Long Island is not exactly like that, and not that it's not on, on paper. What you're saying is correct, but the reality is uh, a little bit more of a gray area, but thankfully I think party leaders are realizing it because when you take a look at the maps and you take a look at the registration list in the five towns, for instance, you see a lot of D's, not as many R's. Now,
0: those, D's R's and R's being leaders. Democrats and Republicans, so just for the audience oh. out there. I, I know we take these things for granted, so that's okay.
5: Yeah, okay. Well, it's funny because, you know, you uh, remember what we said last week about uh, kind of keeping it simple, but anyway, the point is, is that... Um, Part of these are starting to realize that just because there is a it 's a d or a democrat does not necessarily that it's not, 's it's, it's not the end of the story There's a very very strong possibility that then somebody who's going to be a republican candidate there's someone who's going to be going out for the republican candidates and i i 've actually always explained to the, a lot of people how yeah sure you know a lot of these uh, a lot of people a lot of Jewish families orthodox families that come in from the uh, they come from Brooklyn, and I call it the Brooklyn strategy. You know, they're going to be Democrats, so we can go into the primary, and you know, everyone has, like they We're going to do this, so we're going to vote for this guy. That so he's going to lose, and they don't necessarily change their party registration. But when they come out here, they're bringing their 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 mindset that they want a more conservative, more Republican type of candidate
0: uh, in office. That's because they walked into a place that has very high property taxes. But uh, y- Yossi, I want to I I want to just. Get a perspective from uh, not upstate, but the Hudson Valley, as it were. Uh, Rockland County, y- y- you have the Jewish community that votes both ways. It's not strictly Republican or strictly Democrat.
4: Exactly. Um, Rockland County is a typical example how um, the community on a local level they're not so obsessed with party line, rather with the rather than with the campaigning of the candidate and. Um, These days, we have, in other words, so we have people voting for Republicans, for Democrats, and up to the county level. It goes like both ways. And more importantly, as I I said a moment ago, many candidates, the time they're on the second time, there isn't even real opposition. There isn't opposition at all. The county executive four years ago, uh, the the, the DA, he ran officially as a Democrat, a strong Democrat. And this time around, nobody even bothered running against him. He secured all lines. So it isn't a Republican Democratic issue. But back to Jacob's. uh, Point about: on the one hand, Jacob says that 84% Orthodox Jews did vote for Romney, and then they don't join local events. Now, there's two things about it. 84% sounds, you know, is a lot. It's a big, it's a big percent. But the question is, 84% of how many voters? Understand what I'm saying? 84% of 3,000 Jews is not a lot. Versus 84% uh, out of 20, 30, 40, depending which district. So while the Republican Party can take Comfort that the Orthodox community is by default increasingly more moving to their direction. We still need to have an effective outreach to make sure that this 84% represents a bigger piece of the pie. That's number
0: one. Okay, number so two, I, I want to. Oh, I'm sorry. Finish that point.
4: Number two, you, know, you point that a few Orthodox Jews attend events. So therefore, what the party is like is taking revenge. They're not reaching out. It's up to the party to make sure to, to make sure that. People are comfortable to join their events, number one. And whether people join your events or not, you better make sure that your candidates um, show, show up to events. Your candidates make uh, ample time to reach out to, to um, editors of Jewish papers, uh, to reach out to voters, whether the, this voting base does or does not uh, show up at your uh, local political event.
0: So I want to welcome on the line uh, Moshe Friedman, who is a frequent uh, guest and commentator on our show. And Moshe, have from a, as a Democrat, how how do you view this situation? Are you are you threatened by the by the rise of the Republican Party in in uh, in Jewish in Orthodox Jewish politics?
3: In if in, in the local
1: level, I don't see any. I don't see any movement whatsoever in that way, and on
4: national level, you know the people have to come to consensus, you know you can't we've discussed
3: this many times. you can't vote on your social issues and then take your pocketbook on the democratic issue, so we gotta really you gotta really know what you guys are doing or you want but
0: but but, but yasi, Yasi, actually, I think everybody here agrees and pretty much said it, Yasi avi. Uh Jacob, all feel that the Republicans are better for the for the Jewish community when it comes to the pocketbook issues. I think Avi mean there's no question yeah. that, that the Orthodox community has benefited from l- the lower taxes that Republicans generally bring and uh
4: absolutely
5: probably up,
0: probably upstate and, as well. May
4: I add another thing. May I add, add another thing No, I, I, hold
0: on, hold on, Yossi. Well, Avi is talking.
4: I was just saying that uh, uh, most Orthodox families have the kind
5: of bill that it's like fantasy land. You know, we're paying thirty thousand dollars for our tuition. You know, we're paying for you know kosher meat or whatever it is we're paying. Uh, you don't. You're not too comfortable seeing people throwing away money on the ta- uh, you know on the governmental level. You'd like to know that the people that you're bringing into office are going to be watching your 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 money a little
0: bit more carefully. Uh, Yossi? Yeah.
4: um... Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's sad that uh, every time we try to debate politics, we try to figure out which party is going to give you another 20 bucks. And although I understand many people in the community are in need of assistance, but how exactly are you helped when President Obama throws you in another 20, 30 bucks in your food stamps, but then uh, if you have a car, you pay $50 a month more for gas, if not more, on average, the last few years, because uh, his, his policies are basically destroying the dollar, killing the dollar, increasing prices of oil and gas, food and everything. So before you know it, you actually are, 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 are losing losing out by these, by, by these policies. You, you have the unions running up property taxes all over the place, and now uh, I want to move, and wherever I want to move, I've got to pay a couple hundred dollars more a month if I want to rent an apartment, which is a thousand dollars more a year, simply because the unions are out there pushing up property tax, and the unions back the Democrats. So... So let let me do the math. Give me a second. Give me a second. Let me do the math. President Obama in 2009 increased the tax returns to a family by an average of $1,000. His buddies all over the place are hiking my taxes. His policies are hiking my cost of the grocery. You know, at the end of the day, it's a loss. Under President Bush and the Republicans from 2000 to 2006, 2001, 2006, they spent more than enough money. Nobody died. He cut taxes. Uh his economy many years, his unemployment rate actually a couple of years actually beats those of Bill Clinton's. President Bush's worst year and poverty rate is actually better than five of Clinton years. Nobody died. And in the nineties, President Bill Clinton clamped down on spending. Yeah, the Republicans forced him, but he he controlled spending it helped the economy and again nobody died in the 90s and democrats still today are running around saying ha ha we balanced the budget uh, Okay, we balance the, so budget. I, you balance the budget you balanced
0: the yeah yeah see hold hold on hold that thought for a second i i want to pose a question because there seems to be a enormous amount of frustration that i'm hearing with regard to the the level of outreach and i heard the republican jewish coalition the rjc mentioned several times just to say i did invite a representative of the rjc on uh, he was unavailable for this program but we'll We'll have them in the future. But if you were running the RJC, I'll pose this to uh, to everybody. I'll start with Jacob. If you run running the RJC, how could you do outreach to the Jews more effectively?
2: I, I want to touch of, uh, one thing on, on Yossi and Moisha to say. I would be a mediator between these two. Great. Balance, how how balance. would you run
0: the RJC more effectively? Hold
2: on a second. I would say that Yossi is right when it comes to policy. But Moshe Friedman is right when it comes to reality. The Republicans are right on policy but can't get elected. And Moshe Friedman is right when he says that the Democrats rule anyways, vote for the for the no, democrats but a, but i would say but that's, a self, that's, to answer, a, that's a to self that's answer answer your question hold on
0: hold on now that's a self fulfilling prophecy to to say oh the democrats are going to win because they always win well of course you're just perpetuating that so let's well, yeah. By the way, I was not
3: going on who is winning or losing
0: okay i no i understand much of what you were getting so at avi avi you wanted to chime in the, for a second hold on avi's chiming in
5: i just said that that's what the democrats were saying that a few years ago the Republicans always win. I remember going on these Democrat uh, uh, blogs a few years ago, and there was all this like lamentation um, Jeremy adds about how they are so well-organized, though they can, you know, no matter what, we're always going to lose, and suddenly the tide has turned, and now it's, oh, those Republicans, they can't get it together. Well, that
0: everything, does seem to be the
5: case right is now. Typical, isn't
2: it? Okay, let's go back to the question, Jacob. To answer your question, the RJC would have to hire a team that uh, bides well with the Orthodox rules, which is to have an underground operation, the outreach. To underground. The Orth- underground means social sites where you're not ah. identified, blogs, villain All these things uh, work well in the Jewish community. But, but why reach I, out
0: to the Orthodox if they're already voting for Republicans?
2: Because the Orthodox community has to know that the RJC and the Republican Party is not only about Israel. It's not only about our relationship with the Israeli elected government it's also about social issues and fiscal issues and the only way how they would be effective in outreach is that they would include in their board meetings in in their leadership um events orthodox jews that speak well to the orthodox jewish community in order to effectively communicate
0: okay yasi you want to take that question yeah, simple. Um, you
4: said that Orthodox Jews anyway vote for the Republicans, but the question is how many of those Jews, how many of them actually turn out? And for, and the simple outreach, the simple change in outreach of the Republican party such as via the RJC needs to be that instead of ninety percent of your message should be Obama Israel, Oyve, Obama Israel, Oive, do me a favor, start focusing on um, tax policy, on, 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 on economic numbers, go out there. As I did my forward article, a simple article, outline, point out clearly how the Republican Party helps the average person who owns a house, the average person who needs to pay rent, the average person who has a child in private school, the average person who's breaking his neck trying to bring home some money, and in the meantime, the Republican Party at no time lets poor people out to die. Uh, and this is simple. Just change your message. Instead of being ninety percent about Israel, it, make it ninety percent about the domestic policy.
0: Okay, Avi Avi Ferdig. Yeah, take that one. What would you well, do differently? How would you accomplish uh, better outreach, or is or is it adequate?
1: Well, you know,
5: I, I am mean, I'm, I'm of the mind that constituent services. I'm I'm I guess I'm of the the uh, Al uh school of if you just get out there in the communities that you represent,
0: Senator you Pothole.
5: Yes, Senator Pockle, you make sure that if somebody's lights need to be uh, fixed, you know, street light, or you make sure that the local Orthodox organizations that have issues and all kinds, and by the way, they all do, there are a million and one ways that you can help organizations. It takes, uh, a, uh, it takes uh, representatives that understand their community. Now, of course, we're not talking at national level. You know, since the, uh, we'll come back to the title of this program, All Politics is Local?, And I look at everything kind of from the ground up, which is local and going up from there. I think that
0: local so effective. What you're saying, effective government is the best message.
5: Good government, yeah.
0: Right, but that only works if you're in power. How do you get into power? I guess is is the question. Is that how do you get there?
5: You know what? I don't think that you you don't have to be in the majority to be uh, good at constituent services. Ah. You just have to care.
0: Okay, well, that, a good message. How come nobody's talking about school choice? So I'm going to throw that in there as, as, we, as we end the show. Nobody so far in this discussion has mentioned school choice, that the Democrats are beholden to the teachers' unions, and the Republicans are generally more...
4: Actually I, actually, I actually did make a mention earlier
0: tonight. You did, you that, did about tuition, I'll but...
4: I've got, got my property tax, uh, the, the ah. property tax in the
0: area, of my land. Okay, but, I, but I, I want a direct message, school choice. School right, choice. why we have does
3: our own senator that's gonna be in charge of school choice? Next one of the biggest positions that Simchafelder got was the chairman of the subcommittee in New York City. Right, Public we we Education. just
0: we actually just labeled Simcha Felder a Republican earlier in the show, so
3: I have well, heard that, but remember kind of you, that is the committee that's gonna decide mayoral control in two years from now.
0: Okay. This Gentlemen, I want to thank everybody for for trying. This has been a great discussion. I, I It's it's actually a lot of fun to have four people on the I, I, at the same time. Not necessarily <laughs> talking at the same time. But I want to thank each and every one of you for coming. Avi Ferdig uh, out there in the Long Island five towns, uh, my hometown. Jacob Cornbluth from Brooklyn. Yossi Gestetner from upstate. Not so upstate. I don't know why everybody says that from up there in Muncie, in Rockland County. And this has been a great discussion. This is Spin Class Politics with Michael Fragan on the Nachum Siegel Network. And stay tuned for The Book of Life with my good friend and buddy, Charlie Harari, here on the Nachum Siegel Network if the Thursday night extravaganza continues.